And today we are in chapter 20, verse 14. We just had the very dramatic story of Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron hitting a rock. And God tells them, that's it. You're not going into the land of Israel. This is the worst news they could possibly have heard. And yet, and yet Moshe remains dedicated, as we see in this first verse, that he keeps going, doing his job, which is to lead the Jewish people into the land of Israel, even though it's their fault that he's not getting into the land of Israel because they drove him crazy to the point where he, where he rebukes them and calls them rebels and hits the rock. And for that, he can't go into the land of Israel. And yet he keeps working for them. He doesn't allow his own personal having a bad day, so to speak, get in the way of his doing his job, which is getting the Jewish people into the land of Israel. So what's the next step here? The next step here is they need to get into the land of Israel. They're in the south of Israel. But as we've seen, they're not going to go through the land of the Philistine. They're going to go around uh, and come through the Jordan. So they're going to go into what is today modern day Jordan and go over the Jordan River into what is now called the West Bank, what is Judea and Samaria. And to get there, the quickest way is to go through the land of Edom. That's kind of at the bottom in the south. And um, Edom is the descendant of Esav. And we have a little bit of history. Jacob and Esav had a little bit of history. So he's going to reach out to the king of Edom and say, hey, can we go through your land so we can get to our land? Edom is going to say no, spoiler alert. And they're going to end up going under. So they're going to go south, even further south, under Edom to the east, go around Edom, um, come into the to the east side, which is Jordan, and then cross over into the Jordan uh, over the Jordan times of Joshua eventually. So that's just a little map of what's going to happen. Let's see what the verse actually tells us. Verse fourteen by Yishlach Moshe Malachim. Moshe sends messengers. Mikadesh from Kadesh, where the Jews were encamped, as we learned yesterday. Al Melech Edom to the king of Edom, and he said, Ko Yisrael. So says. Your brother Israel. Now, why does he call him your brother? Rashi will tell us. You know, all of the hardship that has encountered us, that has befallen us, says Rashi. What does he mean by your brother Israel? Why does he see fit? Why does Moshe see fit to mention Achva, brotherhood, over here? Why is he mentioning it? He said to him, Achim anachnu, we're brothers. B'nai Avraham, we're, the we're both the children of Abraham. And we would call that cousins. Shenemar, and it says to Abraham, what did God tell Abraham? Ger yezaracha. Your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not their own. Val it was really incumbent upon both of us, both, both us, the descendants of Jacob, and you, the descendants of Esau, to fulfill that obligation, that chov literally is, is, a, is like a loan. you got to pay back the loan. So the chov is the obligation to be a stranger in a land not your own. That was incumbent upon both of us, children of Jacob and children of Esau. But yet, atiyadaitas kalatlom, you know all of the hardship. Therefore, your grandfather, Esav, he separated himself from our 
forefather Jacob. And what did he do? He went to the land of Seir in the face of, because of Jacob, his brother. So what's happening over here is, God says, in order to get this land of Israel, in order to inherit this land of Israel, it's a very special land. It's a very holy land. It's not going to come easily. And therefore, um, the Jewish people are going to be, the descendants of Abraham are going to be strangers in a land not their own. They're going to be enslaved over there and so forth. There's, there's a, a crucible that they have to go through in order to get to this land. And so what Moshe is invoking over here is, why should you let us come go through the land? We know we have a little bit of history, negative, a lot of hatred from Esav to, to, to Jacob and the people of Israel. But Moses is hoping to say, look, we went through all the suffering and going through, through Egypt. Let us go to the land of Israel. We deserve it. We paid the we paid the 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 we paid for that obligation. You guys had it easy in the land of Seir. Let us go through your land and go into the land of Israel. Verse 15, Moshe continues and he says, Our forefathers went down to Egypt. We, we settled in Egypt. For many days. And Egypt mistreated us. They did bad to us. And to our forefathers. Rashi is going to say that our forefathers refers to the patriarchs. So the Egyptians did bad to us, like we we are uh, we actually we actually experienced it, and also to our forefathers in the grave. As Rashi says, from here we derive that the forefathers, the patriarchs, suffered in the next world when I'm sorry, they suffer in the next world when when punishment is brought upon Israel. So when the Jewish people are suffering. The patriarchs are suffering in the next world. That's how they could say that Egypt did bad to us and to our forefathers. Even though our forefathers had already passed away, the mistreatment of the Egyptians of us caused pain to our forefathers as well. Verse 16, We cried out to God. And Rashi will tell us why he's mentioning this. God heard our voice. This was a subliminal message to them that our powers of prayer are working. And he sent an angel, sent a messenger. Rashi will tell us that this Malach is Moshe Rabbeinu, is Moses himself. That's the messenger. Others say he refers to an angel. And he took us out of Egypt. Behold, we are in Kadesh. Ir, which is a city, at the edge of your border. It says Rashi, and God heard our voice. Our forefather, Isaac, blessed Jacob, and he said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. Now that was to remind us of what happened there when Jacob came to steal the blessings. Isaac was suspicious. And he says, this is the voice of Jacob that I hear, but the hands, the arms are covered with here. It's the hands of Esau, but it's the voice of Jacob. But the deeper meaning of what he was saying when he said the voice is the voice of Jacob and the hands of the hands of Esau is what he meant to say was that Jacob's power is in his voice. In his, he has this, this great capacity to pray, to daven, to God. 
and God listens to his prayer. And so when, when Moshe says, we called out to God and God heard our voice, he is reminding the people of Asa, of Edom, that Yaakov has this great gift, the Jewish people have this great gift of prayer, that when we call out, God answers us, and we just experienced that in Egypt. Verse 17, so what's our request after that whole preamble? Let us pass through your land. We're not going to walk through your fields and your vineyards. We're not even going to drink the waters of the well. Rashi's going to tell us, what does he mean by we're not going to drink the waters of the well? So the simple way you would look at it, at least the way I would look at it is, hey, don't worry, we're not going to use up all your water from your wells. But Rashi says, no, that's not what it means. What it means is we're not going to drink the water, our own water that we have with this well, the well of Miriam. We're going to buy water from you. We're going to be good for your economy. First of all, and furthermore, we're going to go in the path of the king, meaning on the main road, we're not going to go right or left. We're going to stay on the main highway. We're not going to interfere with your life. Until we pass through your borders. Says Rashi, we're going to pass through your land. He says, You shouldn't contest our inheritance of the land of Israel because you did not pay the loan. You didn't pay the debt. The debt was, if you if you want to get the land of Israel, you've got to go through the crucible of being a foreigner as we did in Egypt. You didn't do that. So therefore, we have the right to the land of Israel. You shouldn't interfere with that. But in addition to that, help us a little bit and just let us go through the land. And after all, we went through, let us go through your land. We will not drink the water of the of the well, says Rashi. It uses the singular. In English, it doesn't, it's not that obvious because it says we will not drink well water. But in the in the Hebrew, if you look at the actual translation, the waters of the well. So Rashi says it technically should have said may borot the water of wells in plural. Why does it only refer to one well? Says Rashi that Moshe was telling them, even though we have food and we have a well, we brought our own reserves, our own refreshments. Says, no, we're not going to drink from it. We're going to buy from you food and we're going to buy water from you, which will be to your benefit. Rashi says, we learn from here. We derive a lesson. That when you are visiting, when you're a guest, even though you have what to eat, you should buy from the shopkeeper or householder to benefit the host. It's called patronizing the local businesses. Rashi says, we're going to muzzle our animals and they're not going to stray this way and that way to eat from your fields. So what does Edom respond Verse 18, Vayemene love Edom. Edom responds, Loi Savabi, you will not pass through me. Pen Bacherev, Secha, lest I go out to meet you with the sword. Now, this is also a lot of history behind this phrase, as Rashi tells us. They said back to Moses, they said, Atem is going because you are priding yourself in your voice, in your power of prayer that. Your patriarch, um, Jacob, passed on to you, bequeathed to you. 
you said you're going to call out the you call out to God and God listens. Well, guess what? We also have um, a bequest from our ancestor, from Asav, and we will go out with what our forefather Asav bequeathed to us, namely, you shall live by the sword. Verse 19, Now the Jewish people try again. They didn't give up so fast. And they said, we'll keep to the highway, Mesila. If we're going to drink from your water, I and my cattle, we'll pay for it. It's really nothing. I will pass through on foot. Rashi says, it's really nothing. There's no harm to you. The Rebbe points out and talks uh, um, talks about the difference that in the beginning it talks about Moshe talking to them. Moshe sent messengers and said, so says your brother Israel. What's different over here is that it's the Jewish people respond in this case. And and that also explains what why they're trying again. They're thinking perhaps they were they the the reason that they were rebuffed is the fact that it was Moshe speaking on behalf of the people. They may have said, "Oh, you can't guarantee what your people are going to do." So now it's the Jewish people themselves, not just Moshe, saying, "Yes, we're going to go through and we guarantee we're not going to cause you any harm." That doesn't help. Verse twenty, says, "No, you cannot pass." In fact, Edom goes out to greet the Jewish people, but Am Kaved Liad Chazaka, with a vast force and with a strong hand, they go out. To challenge the Jewish people. Yad Chazaka with a strong hand says Rashi, with the guarantee of our grandfather, which is Isaac, the hands of the hands of Esav. Verse 21, and Edom refused to allow the Jewish people to pass through his territory. Israel turned away. From him, and as I mentioned earlier, they went. They ended up going south and going around Edom to the east, and coming up northward to eventually pass into the land of Israel. That concludes our parsha for today, and we open it up to questions and or comments. Well, I, I'd like maybe to comment. Uh, I mean, they went through a lot to just find out they couldn't go through and had to go around, as you said. But I was thinking back, too, also to um, God um, saying that the Jewish people will not inherit Israel without... It won't, inheriting Israel won't come easily. They must suffer, and there's, there's a great deal of suffering coming in inheriting Israel in this holy land. I mean, could that be seen also symbolically that there is suffering before there is a real awakening to God or a real joining with God? Could it be seen also in a much bigger picture? Yes, that's a great point. Um, I, I I wrote something of this of this nature. It wasn't obviously not my own ideas, but in, I did a commentary on the Haggadah for Passover and gathered and translated various Hasidic commentators and Midrashim. And there we have in the Haggadah of Passover, we say, God says, I gave say a Seir to Esav. Seir was, that's the place, 
Mount Seo. That's where, where he settles. And I believe it's the previous rabbi, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, who comments on that and says that for Esav, there's no crucible. He just gets the land of Seir. It's given to him on a silver platter. And that's, you know, has it has its has its uh, perks that it doesn't come through this crucible. On the other hand, it's not the land of Israel. So there's definitely there's this this contrast where, you know, we have a lot we have a lot we have a lot more work to do, but the the benefits the reward is that much greater. So anything that is truly worthwhile is going to come through through toil, through hard work. Yeah, and certainly that's 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 an issue that's being raised over here. Because it seems that in life, actually, when things are going well, we're in our comfort zone. Yeah, we just kind of float along. But when things really hit deep, I, mean, I can talk about that myself. My wife has it. Um, it opens up a whole area of spirituality, of deeper awakening to a presence, something much better. Exactly. Exactly right. Our, our greatness is how we come through difficulty and the difficulty makes us great or can um, as long as you don't play a victim to it, right? Right, right. It's like the, uh, the waters of the flood of, the, of, uh, of Noah that it, lift, it uplifted the ark. The ark got higher because of the, the waves of water. So the waves of, of water that, that, um, that rain upon us and threaten to overwhelm us can also lift us up. With the right mindset, which is again tied to Hashem. Right, right. To recognize that it's not God sending you away, it's God sending you on a mission. That's beautiful. How it can be so misinterpreted as God rejecting us, or maybe even more so, people rejecting God. Why'd you do this? Rather than opening up to see what it really means. Right. Um, it has a very California metaphor surfing, <laughs> <laughs> surfing the waves. So I, I have a question here. Well, I have a joke. Um, before you started the recording, you said, you know, with that, I will mute. I, it, I immediately thought of uh, Moshe could have used a mute button when everybody was giving him a hard time. <laughs> yeah, if, we did, if we did the Exodus via Zoom, I think it, it would have worked out a lot better. <laughs> um, but the, a question that comes to mind is, so he gets mad. We're 38 years in or... or yeah, isn't it 38 years in? Right. And or 38 and a half, something like that. No, it's closer. It's I think it's even you know 39 or maybe even the 40th year. Okay. And and he gets mad at that and strikes the rock. And then he doesn't get mad when he's told he doesn't get to go into the land of Israel and he assumes his duties. And, and without any, like Isaac did when they were going up the, the mount, mountain to, you know, as instructed by Hashem. I find that interesting. Um, 
but it's almost like he's like, oh, I finally get it. Or, but that's not true, though, because he more than gets it from long ago, right? But um, he he either resigns himself to that or finds the beauty in that. I'm very confused by those dichotomies, I guess. Right. So that's a great point. You know what? How the Torah doesn't describe, at least here. You know, this is a big, big moment. This is a bombshell that they're not going to get into the land of Israel. And we don't hear a word. That's a great point. So we do know that Moshe will pray to God many, many times. Forgetting the number now, but it's the gematria of Va'et Hanan, which is like 514 or something like that. Prayers. And that we'll see that in, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, in the second Parsha of Deuteronomy. That's the very... Uh, name of the parsha, Vayet Hanan, I prayed. It's a long word. It's and it expresses that he prayed a lot, even after this, to be able to get into the land of Israel. Mm. And you know, so he didn't let it go easily. He didn't accept it like, oh, okay, no big deal, obviously, or even, you know, internalize it and say, okay, this is the way it is. He he fought. He fought for it. But you know, God had made up his mind. You know. Um, but what exactly happens at this moment? Is there an immediate reaction from Moshe? I'll have to look back in the Midrash, but I don't recall anything specific. And I don't know when exactly those prayers that, that we talk about in Deuteronomy, when those took place. Did they happen right now or did they happen later? I'm not sure. But Thank you. Yeah, in answer to your question, Moshe did not take it easily. I mean, he didn't, he didn't get angry. It doesn't say that he got angry. Right. But certainly he tried to change change God's mind, so to speak. Well, in one sense, he didn't control his emotions. In the other sense, he did. One, he paid the price, right? But in the other, he went at it a different way. In, in the same way he, he had talked to Hashem throughout all of his relationship with Hashem was it, it was the ability to argue respectfully, but without it, it wasn't an anger type thing. Right, you know? right. Isn't he still showing his humanity? He's still a human being. It's not, it's not Mm. that's good bill yeah oh we all make mistakes and sometimes we just all right bruce you got your hand up could it be that you know the people that he uh left egypt with and that he led through all these years in the desert that he really saw them as you know his people he's their leader and just as a captain goes down with the ship Moses maybe felt it was right that he, just as they, those generations died in the desert, that he remained in the desert too, not to mention with his sister and with his uh, brother. Mm. Right. That's a very good point. And um, it's a good point. However, we do see that he prayed to go into the land of Israel. Was he praying for himself and the people? I don't think so. I think it was for himself. So it could be that he came to that recognition at the end after his prayers didn't work. Um, but he really did want to go into the land of Israel so that, it, you know, not obviously that's all his desire to go into the land of Israel is all a very lofty and, and spiritual desire. It's about, you know, going into the Holy Land, being able to do the mitzvahs of the land of Israel. That's what it's about. It's not a, it's not an ego thing. Um, uh, I want to go to Israel, not fear. You know, this is this is very high level desire on the part of, of Moses where he wants to go in the land of Israel. But in mm. the end, you know, it would make sense that he, you know, and, and, and as, as he said, I said yesterday, 
in fact, that's what it is, according to one of the Midrash, that that's really why God is telling him, you, you don't, you belong, you, re, you belong to stay with your people, uh, your generation, and, and lead them eventually to the Holy Land when Mashiach comes. After he um, got the bad news, he didn't change his work ethic at all. He kept working just as hard. Right. Could it be that he was hoping Hashem would change his mind? Or could it be that he just looked at this as a hoax? And it doesn't really matter what he feels. It's what Hashem felt. Right. So as, as, a, as a hook, um, I'll just translate it for everyone. It's, it's a you know, decree without, without reason. Yeah, that's the way I understood it is, you know, he's got, he, he doesn't allow his personal, what's happening with him personally to interfere with what his job is. I love uh, There's celery in there for you. The, the beautiful, the beauty of that, of that part of the story. Where he where he just keeps he keeps trucking keeps going, and the Torah really, really uh, shows that by um, by you know there's no interruption from where he, when he hears you're not going to the land of Israel to sending these messengers to Edom. There's there's no interruption in the Torah to show that that there was you know he didn't skip a beat. He's really leading by example, isn't he? Saying, "Don't let your ego get in the way. I'm I'm not going to let mine get in the way." And continue to do what God wants me to do. Exactly. Maybe he wanted a death by the by the kiss type, like his brother and, and sister had. And if he went into the physical land of uh, Israel, he might have felt he might not have gotten that. That could be. That could be. But I have a feeling he would have preferred to go into the land of Israel <laughs> over the death by kiss. You know, if he had the choice. I was just. I'm just reminded of something, and then I'll I'll conclude with that. Um, I remember hearing this about the Rebbe that, you know, the Rebbe fought for, fought for certain things during his lifetime that he didn't always win. You know, there's certain things in Israel, for example, or certain policies that he wanted to see, you know, enacted. And when, when, when there was a failure, when it didn't happen, the Rebbe shifted, it was commented, the Rebbe shifted immediately towards the new reality on the ground. In other words, we were fighting for something and we had all our passion and all of our energy into that and trying to get it, you know, something passed, a law passed or, or, or whatever it was. And as soon as that became, well, that opportunity is gone. It was, there was no mourning period of, you know, we're disabled now for who knows how long and, and, and we're, still, we're still stuck in the past where that was our battle, no. That's done. Now we have a new battle. Now we have a new reality and we're going to, we have the same passion, the same energy and the same dedication to getting it done in the new situation. And that's something that's, you know, truly great people are, are known for. And, and, you know, something for us to aspire to is, you know, just keep focused on what needs to be done. And even if we were invested in something for who knows how long, this could be a battle for 10 years and suddenly boom, the situation has changed to be able to pivot. I, th I think we should aspire to it. I don't know if it's possible for, for the average person to achieve that, but something to aspire to, at least to, to uh, minimize that, that pivot, the time it takes to pivot, um, you know, to make it the, the less time spending pivoting and, and getting to where we need to be as soon as possible. So with that, we'll conclude. And wish everybody a wonderful day. Have a wonderful day. Yes, you too.